Due to a software error, today's episode was recorded on both January 31st, 2021 and also February 1st, 2021. In it, I will be reading some mailbag entries from checkmates out there in the world who wrote into the show. I'll be bidding farewell to several people who we've lost over the past approximate week. I'll be talking about four albums from when I was 13 years old. That's roughly the years 1993 and 94, kind of half and half in both years there. You'll understand that a little bit better when we get into the segment. And I'll be talking about whatever else comes to mind as per usual. As you know, I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek, hope you're doing okay. Sorry that this show is going up a little bit later than it should have. I'm recording this at a time where I am aware that that is happening. It should have gone up a day or two ago. There was a software error that it's not worth your time for me to explain, but it's led to me needing to re-record certain parts of the show, and uh, this is one of them here in the intro, so I hope that you're... Uh, appreciative of the fact that I love you so much that I'm doing a take two, because uh, that uh, that's kind of a rarity for this show. I usually will just sort of blast through whatever's on my mind and hit publish on the on the uh, website, but uh, we're doing a take two today because there was just something I couldn't live with in the audio track and. Uh, here we are. It's uh, Some of it's salvageable from the 31st, but the part I'm talking to you on right now was recorded on February 1st. I hope you're all doing okay. I'm personally doing okay. Uh, before I get into the show proper, let me talk about the websites that you should go to uh, more regularly than you're probably going to them. Uh, there is a companion blog that goes along with the show. It has a player on it, so you can listen to the show while you're reading through the post and looking at the pictures. And uh, the people that do that are my favorite type of checkmate. I really, really love you guys. Uh, and uh, it, It's fine if you listen to it on an app, but I really like the people who have it up in a browser in the background as they're doing other stuff. They're listening to it on the player that I put on the page. The blog that goes with the show where you can find that player is at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. Of course, you can listen to it on your podcast app of choice. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify's and, and stuff like that. I pluralized the wrong words in that sentence. You heard it, and so did I. But, you know, pretty much it's on a podcast app that you like if you like any of the normal podcast apps that aren't weird. I pluralized the wrong words in that sentence, too. That seems to be the theme of the show. Sorry about that. It's how things are going today. I'm doing this in a hurry. If you like me, despite all of that, and want to know more about me and my music career, then DerekBrink.com is the place where you would do that. It's also got email links where you can conveniently click on it and email the show. The email address that you can reach me at is db at DerekBrink.com. I will read your email and probably reply to you. I may even read it on the show if it's good enough, if it asks a question 
that I want to address on the show or that you would like me to answer on the show, db at derekbrink.com is a way to get that to happen. You can also leave comments at the blog or at the Podbean site. Those are the only places where I'll see it, so that's that's how you can reach me and maybe get your name read on the show or at least your question, if not your name. But yeah, derekbrink.com is out there. I talk about my music career mostly at that website. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's all stuff that I wrote, and I want you to have it for absolutely free. Just go over to derekbrink.bandcamp.com and you can download absolutely everything there for absolutely free if you enter zero as your purchase price after you put it in the cart or whatever happens when you click buy. Uh, Enter zero and it's yours for free. I don't care. I won't know. I don't even look at your email address. I don't collect that information. It doesn't even pop up for me when someone downloads the thing. I would just love it if you loved it. Please take it. If you're feeling generous, of course, you can put in a different number than zero, and I will take your money. But I would love it if you loved it, and I would love it if you didn't pay for it, because I don't own the air over your head, and I shouldn't be the one who decides what fills it. You should be. So please uh, go over there and take my music. There's some of it featured throughout the show, and it's uh, stuff that I'm proud of. So that's uh, that's the list of websites and whatnot. By the way, uh, I've got more music coming at you here within 2021. I'm excited about it. It's sounding good. It's getting down to the wire, and I will be sharing more information about that as time goes on. We're not there yet, though. I'm not at the point yet where I'm going to be releasing new music just yet, but it's going to happen, and it'll be two albums, and you'll get lots of information about that when it comes about. But in the meantime, we have a lot to talk about today. I've got Four albums that I'm going to talk about from when I was 13 years old. That's actually the segment that survived from the 31st. There's a glimpse behind the curtain. Uh, I've got four albums from when I was 13 that I'm going to talk about that are uh, by Nirvana, Rush, Yes, and Live, to give you a spoiler, I guess, if you want to Google what albums came out when I was 13 and figure that out for yourself. Uh, I've got those albums that I'm going to be talking about. But I've got a lot of other stuff that I want to talk about, too, and a lot of other ground that I want to cover. One bit of ground that I want to cover is in the form of uh, an inaugural kind of thing, I guess, on the show, unless I've done this before and just don't remember it, which is possible, even likely. Uh, I want to do a mailbag segment, because a couple of y'all, a couple of you checkmates out there, have emailed the show. You've gotten in contact with me, and you've wanted to point something out or ask a question, and uh, I love that, and I'm glad to do that. Uh, I am not going to read your names in this segment right now because I didn't get permission from the people who wrote in to do so. Uh, Maybe in the future you can tell me that in advance I have the right to read your name on the show if I want to or whatever. Uh, or maybe I'll just assume that I've got your permission to do so, but I'll never read your email address you know, for obvious reasons. Maybe that's the approach that I'll I'll take. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm of two minds about how to do this segment because it's uh, sort of the first time it's been worth doing. Uh, but a couple couple folks were, wrote in and they asked, they asked uh, good questions, or they pointed out things that I thought were worth mentioning, and uh, I wanted to address that. And so we're doing a mailbag segment here in the intro part of the show, and uh, I hope I get to do that a lot more, because it 
saves me a little bit of time and stress. I don't have to come up with what segment I'm going to do. I can just read listener mail and talk about it. And that's uh, that's kind of great. I like the laziness of that. I this this show's already so lazy that I do no research and I write no part of it in advance. I just sit down in front of a microphone and talk. Uh, I usually have an outline and cross out stuff as I'm going or whatnot. But and that gets edited out of the audio. You can thank me and whoever else you want to for that. But it's it's already a fairly lazy show in that regard. I just kind of talk for an hour, but it's even better when somebody tells me what to talk about and I don't have to do any work to figure out what I'm going to say. So I appreciate when you write in. Email db at derekbrink.com, leave a comment on the blog at emptychecking.blogspot.com, or on the uh, Podbean page at Podbean, or at, uh, sorry, at emptychecking.podbean.com, and uh, I'll see that stuff, and if I want to talk about whatever you ask me about, I'll do it on the show, and that's going to be fun for me, and less work for me, and thank you for doing it that the two people who did it today. Uh, I'm not even gonna read the emails that I got verbatim because, again, I didn't ask for permission to do this, so that... It just feels like I should get somebody's permission before I read their words or credit them to them or that kind of thing, because you never know what level of anonymity somebody wants to maintain, but, uh... uh, I'll give you the gist of what was written to me, and I'll give you my answer to what was written to me. Uh, The first one comes from somebody who is replying about last week's show, is contacting me about that. They, in general, just said that they enjoyed hearing me talk about John Lennon, and it's nice to hear somebody appreciating his solo work. Uh, Thank you very much for that, and also you're welcome, I guess, uh, because it's nice to hear that somebody else cares about this stuff in the same way I do. But they pointed out that I said that John Lennon had died by the time that I was born, and I had never known a world without John Lennon, but that John Lennon died in December of the year 1980, whereas I was talking about it as though he had died before I was born in the year 1980. Uh, I was born in May of 1980, and John Lennon died in December of 1980, so it turns out that I did know a world with John Lennon in it, uh, although I was a baby, so I didn't really know it, you know? I didn't know that I knew that world. Uh, I did not feel the loss of John Lennon, but my my lifetime did intersect with his, and uh, yeah, absolute mistake on my part. I think I just, in my head... Uh, In that segment, I was talking about David Bowie, John Lennon, and Neil Peart from Rush, and just in my head, those, those losses are all kind of tied together in the same sort of season, I guess, of the year. And uh, I think I just moved John Lennon's death mentally into January when it was actually in December. So, sorry about that. You're absolutely right. I was alive briefly for a time when John Lennon was alive. And uh, uh, But I am sure that if I heard any of his music, I certainly didn't appreciate it in the way that I should have. So I can, I think, stand by most of what I said in the last episode, but yeah, absolutely, you're right. I was wrong about when John Lennon died in uh, in my brain when I was talking last week. Sorry about that. That's almost like the kind of thing that you would think I would Google right before I start talking about it so I don't sound like an idiot, 
but that's not the kind of show this is. This is the kind of show where I do sound like an idiot, so that's uh, what happened there. But thank you for pointing it out. You're absolutely right, but I'm glad that otherwise you enjoyed hearing me talking about John Lennon. Uh, His solo career is absolutely worth your time to check out, and you should do that if you're listening to this. Uh, I also got a second email from someone who is a self-described long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, That was cute. I appreciated that. I'm sorry that I'm not saying your name on the show, but I didn't get your permission to do so. Uh, You know what? This is weird. From now on, after this episode, be on notice. I'm going to assume that I at least have the right to say your name if you're right into the show. But I I won't this time because I I, I already said that I wouldn't. But, uh, uh, yeah, this person apparently has been listening to the show for a very long time because their question was essentially they miss when I used to talk about pro wrestling on the show, which I haven't done in a very long time. So that's uh, that gives you an idea of how long they've been listening. And uh, they said that they missed that, that uh, aspect of the show and they wondered what my thoughts were on the current product and would love to hear me talk about what both WWE and AEW are doing at this point. Um, I miss talking about that on the show. Thank you so much for that question. Thank you so much for writing in on it. Uh, I love talking about pro wrestling and I'm, I'm a little bit upset that I haven't been lately because there's been a lot to talk about. But uh, looking at the metrics of the show historically, when I get to the wrestling segment, that's when people start skipping. So that's uh, that's sort of why, uh, like, I can pinpoint it almost to the second on old episodes of when people tuned out and started listening to and started, like, skipping to the next segment because they didn't care about wrestling. Uh, so that that's kind of why. But, uh, yeah, I do miss talking about it, so I've got no problem talking about it a little bit because someone asked a question. Folks, if you want to hear wrestling talk on the show, ask a question about it, and I'll be glad to talk. Uh, the person who wrote in actually also went into a little bit more detail and said that they would like to hear my thoughts on the passing of uh, currently, I well, I guess at the time of his loss, current uh, wrestler of AEW, uh, Brody Lee, who passed away in in the last uh, couple of months. And uh, yeah, I I actually meant to talk about that on the show and just kind of got away from me. Uh, but I've, I've got some wrestling thoughts, and I can do this quick enough that those of you who skip the wrestling segments will uh, maybe not skip this. I can, I can talk briefly. Uh, let's start with the WWE, because everybody knows that the WWE exists. You may not be familiar with AEW, they've really only been around about a year, but WWE has been around for your entire lifetime, probably, although at one point they were probably named WWF, but I digress. WWE, uh, lately I've been, uh, I've been encouraged by the shows getting a little bit better going into Royal Rumble season, which in turn goes into WrestleMania season. I, I am at least caught up on the Royal Rumble, and I watched Raw tonight, and uh, I watched the shows leading into it, 
and it's it's been uh, like the rumble was good, and this episode of Raw wasn't unbearable as so many episodes of Raw are, because Raw takes three hours, and even when they do good segments, three hours is too long, and you kind of forget about the stuff that was good, and just remember that it took a really long time for it to happen. But uh, tonight's episode was pretty good, and the Royal Rumble was pretty good, and this is sort of the time of year where the WWE does good shows and, and kind of makes you feel good about being a fan again, and they're kind of there right now. Uh, I will say that I don't love what they've been doing with Alexa Bliss lately, which isn't exactly what I mean. I actually really like the storyline that they're doing with Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss is doing some of the best work of her career. She is phenomenal. I don't love the execution of it because they're doing a lot of stuff that just isn't physically possible. Like, I don't love that they're doing the kind of, uh, uh, what am I looking for? Teleportation type stuff where she's changing outfits in the middle of a match and the commentators are pretending that they don't know that it's happening. That's just goofy and dumb. You know, like any other TV show that you watch in the world that isn't a sci-fi show, if you watch, I don't know, CSI or House or even Friends or Seinfeld, there's not a wink to the camera that, uh, yeah, this thing, a time passed and things happened without us, uh, uh, without you seeing it in front of your eyes, but we don't know how it happened. Like, that doesn't happen on normal shows, and that bugs me quite a bit. So, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing on WWE. I have liked the sort of Royal Rumble season that's happened. I even really like the story of Alexa Bliss having turned to the dark side and aligning herself with The Fiend and her being kind of in and out of character and struggling to figure out who she's supposed to be and manipulating that and all that. I, I actually even like that aspect of it, but I feel like the way that they're doing it is really lazy and just comes across really fake in a business where the number one criticism that you hear from people who don't like it is, well, you know it's fake, right? Well, right now, there's absolutely no way to even suspend disbelief that it's fake, because, you know, somebody says, you know it's fake, right? And your answer is, yeah, of course I know it's fake, so is Game of Thrones, but you watched that. Uh, but, like, now it even seems silly to say that. Because at no point did something happen in Game of Thrones and the characters kind of turned to the camera and winked and, and were like, uh, come on, just just go with it. But that's what they're doing in WWE and it bothers me. Uh, as far as AEW, they don't do as much of that. They do some of that and some of the way that they book their show doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I listen to Jim Cornette's podcast, and he does a pretty good job of summing up what I don't like about AEW. I agree with probably about 80 to 85% of what he says, although once I get to the end of his podcast, I do think, yeah, but they didn't have somebody literally teleport in their ring this week, so that doesn't bother me as much as what WWE is doing, and I still like their product. AEW has more going for it that I think is positive than they do that is negative. I really appreciate what they're at least trying to do, even if occasionally I think that their delivery is poor. But basically the difference is, WWE, I continue watching Raw and SmackDown because I have been in the habit of that for decades, 
and uh, AEW I watch because it's appointment television. That's the difference between the two federations to me. Uh, as the person who asked about it, who who wrote into the show, uh, pointed out, it's it's kind of impossible right now to talk about AEW without talking about Brody Lee and his passing away. Uh, if you didn't hear about that, Brody Lee is a wrestler who, in the WWE, went by the name Luke Harper. He's had various other names throughout his career, particularly on the Indies, but best known as either Luke Harper or Brody Lee. His real name was John Huber. He uh, passed away at the tail end of last year, uh, very suddenly and very shockingly, uh, developed a lung issue that was not COVID related. He just he developed a lung problem that just got worse and worse very quickly and he passed away from it. And it was shocking and it was sad. And uh, my thoughts on it are pretty much as follows. I uh, honestly wasn't his biggest fan. There was a lot that kind of came to my attention that uh, in the immediate aftermath, I didn't even realize what his catchphrases were. Like in the immediate aftermath of his passing, people started using his catchphrases on TV, which uh, things like, uh, uh, it, it, it's Wednesday and you know what that means. Apparently you know what that means was one of his, one of his catchphrases. And uh, there, boy, I feel like a jerk. There's another one that I can't even remember right now. Uh, they were catchphrases that were such sort of common phrases that they didn't jump out to me to me as catchphrases. Uh, I, I, I wasn't the kind of fan that obsessed over him and that knew that stuff. Um, and I, I, I regret that in hindsight, and I'm a little bit embarrassed by that in hindsight, because digging into his work over the past several weeks since he left us, I've realized that I really, really missed out. Because one of the things that jumped out immediately upon his loss was realizing that, wow, this was a really good guy. This was a really good guy who, in interviews, said things that were very touching about his family and also about his co-workers that nobody in the business has anything bad to say about. In a business where people only have bad things to say, nobody had anything bad to say about John Huber. And uh, that's something that sort of realizing how much he meant to people both within and outside of the industry has made me realize that I missed out on a lot by not paying a little bit more attention to him. Of course, I was aware of him. I watched the stuff he did with the Wyatt family. I watched a little bit of his AEW stuff, although I missed quite a significant part of his run in AEW because I, I just sort of took a break from watching wrestling here in the empty arena era, era where uh, COVID-19 has kept crowds away. I For a while, it just wasn't fun to watch, and I didn't watch it. Uh, a lot of people understand that. A lot of wrestling fans went through that or are still going through that. A lot of sports fans in general have gone through that. Uh, even baseball and football viewing has been way, way down in the past year. So I'm, I'm kind of not alone in that, but I, I missed some of his AEW run as a result, which is another thing that I regret in hindsight. Uh, he was just so well-spoken of by so many people. 
and it was uh it was sad to hear that he had he had gone i mean it would be sad to hear that he had gone regardless but so much sadder when you start to realize how many people deeply deeply appreciated him and the tribute episode to him that AEW put on was phenomenal. It's some of the best wrestling television I've ever seen. They did a wonderful job paying tribute to a man who was a very good man, and uh, that speaks well of them, and it speaks well of him. I have loved the way that they've remembered him. It's been very, very touching and very, very appropriate and very... Uh, just as a fan of the business, I've really appreciated what they've done. I feel like I missed out on Brody Lee and John Huber. I watched most of the Luke Harper run, and some of it wasn't great, and some of it was great. I, 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 uh, I, I feel like I'm not the guy to adequately pay him tribute, but it certainly was, uh, uh, in the wrestling group that I'm a member of on Facebook. I commented that uh, on the thread that was posted that was about his passing, I commented that, wow, I'm not even a big fan of this guy, but I'm still wiping a tear away, because it was just such a sudden and tragic, and it even felt unnecessary of a loss. Uh, it felt like It felt like something that should have been curable, that just wasn't. You know? And uh, that, that broke my heart, and uh, I wish I had paid more attention to him while he was here. Uh, I've done my best to kind of catch up in his passing. I'm one of those jerks who buys the greatest hits after the artist is gone in this situation. But uh, yeah, I was very sad to hear about John Huber, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, whatever you want to call him. Um, thank you for asking about that, dear Checkmate. Who wrote in with that question? Uh, it's been kind of nice to talk about pro wrestling again. Uh, thank you for asking that. I uh, The short, too long, didn't read version is WWE, like a lot of what they're doing, don't like some of the execution. AEW, don't like some of what they're doing, like the execution. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brody Lee, rest in peace, is essentially, I guess, the summary of that segment there. Uh, and I don't know what to say about the WWE moving to the Peacock Network coming up soon, getting rid of the WWE app and moving to the Peacock Network. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to feel about that. I'll probably know what to feel about that after it happens. So uh, I currently do not subscribe to the WWE Network, uh, although I did kind of catch up on the Rumble. Uh, that's a long story. But uh, uh, I, I currently don't subscribe because of a billing error that happened months and months ago that I just never fixed. And uh, so I don't lose anything by them doing that, but maybe once the move to the Peacock Network has happened, maybe I'll gain something by coming back. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, so that's the wrestling talk. That's, that's done. We can stop worrying about that. We can move on to other things. Unfortunately, the other things that I have to talk about here in, in what is still the intro to the show somehow, almost a half hour in, uh, I, uh, I, I have to talk about the fact that we've lost some celebrities in the past week and a bit since I last did a show. Uh, it's impossible for me not to talk about each one of these people in one respect or another. I'm going to try to be brief with it, though, because it, it kind of gets to be a bummer when all this show is, is me betting rest and peace to people. Uh, in the past week, we've lost uh, Mira Furlan, Larry King, 
Cicely Tyson, Cloris Leachman, and today, as I'm recording this, Dustin Diamond, a.k.a. Screech from Saved by the Bell, passed away. I felt each of those losses in different ways. Each of them made me sad in different ways. Uh, some of them a little bit more than others. I was very, very impacted by the death of Larry King, who has been a constant inspiration to me. I love the way that he does his interviews, and I love the way that he takes phone calls, and uh, I, I guess took phone calls. I should be speaking in past tense, and that feels so weird. Uh, I was a great admirer of Larry King, and I was very sad to hear that he went. Cloris Leachman, just the same. One of the great comedians that I've been able to view within my lifetime. And, uh, she was so, so funny and able to do so, so much and had a career that was just amazing. Her her IMDb page reads like a greatest hits, as does Cicely Tyson's, who I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I'm under-familiar with some of her work because I tend to like comedies and she tended to do dramas, but I certainly knew the name and I certainly knew what movies and, and shows and things to connect to her. I mean, Sounder and Roots alone, if that's all that she was involved with, she's a legend. Uh, but uh, Cicely Tyson, very sad to hear that she was gone. Mira Furlan, who is a little bit younger, and maybe you don't know her as well. She was Rousseau on the TV show Lost, and that's the main place that I knew her from. And I'm going to be re-watching the Lost series very soon in tribute to her, because she was one of my favorite story arcs on that show, and I was just gutted to hear that she was gone way too young, again, from something that sounded preventable. And then today, partway through the day, I just, I'm in the bathroom between tasks as I'm working, and I pull up Twitter and I see that Dustin Diamond had passed away, Screech from Saved by the Bell had passed away, and weirdly the way that I found that out was from a tweet by the Iron Sheik from the old WWF wrestling days. You can't plan these things, but it's just weird that that's how I found out that Dustin Diamond had died, was that the, the, the Iron Sheik said that he liked him. Uh, but yeah, Dustin Diamond was a big part of my childhood. He obviously had some things in his adult life that were more scandalous and less fun and more upsetting to kind of read about. Uh, much less view in some cases. Uh, but that stuff is sort of best not talked about today of all days. He made me laugh and made me happy when I was a, a, a young Derek Brink, uh, first getting acquainted with the world. He uh, was a big part of making me happy, and that means something. Regardless of what else happened in his later life that was maybe a little bit kind of suspect, he, uh, he was a, a big part of me having a lot of fun as a child, and I'm very sorry to hear that Dustin Diamond had passed away. At 44 years old, just a few years older than I am now, that was heartbreaking to hear about. Also heartbreaking to hear about today, this morning, before I even logged into work, I looked at Facebook and found out that Tony Bennett has announced that he has Alzheimer's, and I'm borderline crying just saying that because I have a deep respect for Tony Bennett. He is one of those singers that was just a gift given us by God, and uh, I have a deep, deep, 
deep appreciation for what he's done as a talent, and I'm so sorry that he has to go through this and that his family has to suffer through this and that his friends have to suffer through this. As part of the announcement of his illness, there was also revealed that there's going to be a new album coming out with he and Lady Gaga on it. The album that they did together a couple of years ago, Cheek to Cheek, was wonderful and beautiful. And there is a part of me that is really looking forward to the follow-up. There is another part of me that knows that hearing it will be devastating. Uh, I am deeply sad to hear about what is going on with Tony Bennett. Um, there are a myriad of Alzheimer's research departments that you can give to out there. Uh, I recommend that you please do so, because that's, that's one of those diseases that is terrifying and that we need to find a cure for, preferably within my lifetime, uh, because I've watched people slip away from that and uh, from similar related illnesses, and it is something that we should be fighting like hell with all of our might against, and we need to find a cure to Alzheimer's and related illnesses. Uh, a few that I would recommend that I've donated to in the past are Alzheimer's Association, the Fisher Center for Alzheimer's Research, or uh, also Washington University here in St. Louis has a department uh, through their neurology department that is doing Alzheimer's research as well. If you were half as moved as I was by hearing the news about Tony Bennett today, uh, please consider contributing if you're able to do so. That is the depressing part of the show. Uh, we've got a lot of show still to come, though, that is less depressing and a lot more fun, and I'm going to talk about stuff that makes me happy and that has made its impression on me for a very, very long time, and I think you're going to have fun listening to it. At least I hope so. Thank you to those who wrote into the show. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show and puts up with me every week. I really, really appreciate that. If you want to get a question featured on the show, then please write to db at derekbrink.com. Those are my initials, Derek Brink, db as in Derek Brink, db at derekbrink.com. Please uh, feel free to write in and ask a question of the show. I will be glad to answer you. If uh, if not on the show, then in email form if it uh, seems like you're not a crazy person. In the meantime, we've got a lot of stuff to get to here, and we're going to get to it. I am a good half hour into the show, and I've not hit a segment yet. That might be a record. Uh, sit back, relax, listen to a little bit of music as we go into the next segment, and we're going to talk about some music from my teen years that was very, very important to me at the time. I am leaving for Logan County Might not be back for a while Open road and open air Wind on my face, I disappear I need a truer life, a truer sound I need a truer way to be Okay, so let's talk about some uh, nearly, what, 20-year-old music? Something like that? Uh, I was 13 and I'm 40 now, so it was 17 years, I guess. Uh, old music from the 90s. Let's talk about some of that. I, uh, a couple weeks ago, did a segment on the show where I talked about four albums from when I was 14 years old that was prompted by a Facebook thing that was going around for a little bit, 
and I liked doing that, and it seemed like other people liked that I did that, so I wanted to kind of continue that and talk about more albums from my teen years. So I've decided to talk about some from when I was 13, when my teen years began. The the dawn of the grunge age, kind of, and uh, just sort of that that age where you're sort of figuring out who you are for the first time, like you're switching on and you're getting into stuff and it's going to be part of your backbone. That's uh, that's what this this music was that came out when I was 13. I was 13 between May of 1993 and May of 1994, so that's the period we're covering here. So uh, don't uh, give me a crap that like something in this little pile of music I've got to talk about maybe came out in 1994 instead of 1993 when I would have been 13. I was 13 in part of 1994, and uh, if I don't go far enough, uh, probably I did in the other segment in a, a couple of shows ago where I did this, because that was later than this. This is kind of a prequel to that. Uh, anyway, uh, from May 1993 to May 1994 is the area we're covering, is what I'm trying to say. And I've got uh, four albums from that time period in no particular order, other than this is the order that I stacked them in when I put them down on the table in front of me. I do want to throw out an honorable mention to one album that I'm not going to talk about in depth, and that is uh, Johnny Cash's American Recordings. That's number one of the American series. The uh, reason I'm not going to talk about that any more than just mentioning it is that uh, I was not listening to that in 1993, and I'm limiting this list to stuff that I was into and was listening to, so I desperately love Johnny Cash now and, you know, got into him in the 90s, but I just, uh, I wasn't into Johnny Cash when I was 13 years old. I didn't have that album until years after the fact, so I'm not going to touch on it here, but it came out and it's important to me now, so I'll just mention it. Johnny Cash's American Recordings also came out during this time period, but again, I'm limiting it to stuff that I would have listened to at the time or soon thereafter anyway. And, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's what this is. And it's, it's hard to limit these lists to only four, you know? I mean, it's, it's hard to limit any list to any number. You could give me 20 and I would want 21, you know? But, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to narrow it down. I just picked four that were really impactful to me in a big way. And there are certainly others that could be here that maybe should be here. But these are the four I thought it'd be fun to talk about. So we're gonna, we're gonna zero in on these four albums from when I was 13 years old in May to May of 93 and 94, and uh, we'll do that now, I suppose. This is really clunky. Sorry about that. It's been kind of a long day. The first one in my little stack here is an album that I mentioned on the show recently, in fact, last week, but I think I kept it fairly brief last week, so I'll, I'll maybe go into just a little bit more detail here. Uh, but you may be tired of hearing me mention this album, because I, I it, it's come up before on the show. It's uh, my favorite Rush album. came out in 1993 or 94. Let me look at the back of the thing here. That font is too small for me to read. That's how you know that you've hit your 40s. Uh, anyway, it came out when I was 13. Uh, the Rush album Counterparts is the first one we're going to talk about here. And I'm holding in my hands my copy of Counterparts that I got at that time. That is worse for wear. The, the uh, jewel case is badly cracked and damaged, and it's, it's just a mess. And uh, that's because this thing's been around since the 1990s and has been 
sitting in one car or another for a long time, just in regular rotation, having other stuff stacked on top of it and whatnot. And the case has just taken a lot of abuse. Uh, now I've got most of this stuff on MP3 and whatnot. It's just on my phone uh, on a playlist. But uh, for a long time there, the way to listen to music in your car was you took a CD you wanted to listen to into the car and you listened to it that way. And I still love that. And on my next car, I hope to resume doing that. On the one I've got right now, the CD player doesn't work and hasn't for a long time. So I'm stuck with MP3s. But uh, uh, none of that's all that interesting. Uh, the, the, the point is, I have had the copy of this album that is in my hand since 1993 or 94 whichever one it came out in. Uh, and it's been through the ringer. And I remember when this was new, and I was a bass player and very, very into Rush, as every bass player is. And this was the new Rush album, and I just started digging in and learning how to play the songs and playing Animate and playing Stick It Out and playing just the other songs off of here that really meant a lot to me. And uh, one of the sort of crowning memories of my life as a bass player was uh, playing along to the song Animate off of Counterparts. And uh, my mother was still alive at the time. She passed away in October of 1994. But uh, So this probably came out in 93, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, she uh, was in the room, and I was playing Animate on the bass and along with the CD, and my dad was kind of watching me play it, just kind of going, hey, he's, he's playing that, and, it, and it's right, and it sounds right, you know. Uh, and mom came into the room and dad just kind of said, Hey, look what he's doing. Look, look at him play that. And she was like, what? He's just faking it. And I was, and I was like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm playing rush. I'm that good. Uh, and it was just kind of a, uh, fun little schadenfreude moment for me with my mother who, uh, uh, did not believe in me when my father did on that particular occasion. So that, uh, that's just kind of, uh, that's one of the memories that comes back to me when I look at this album and when I think about this album. I also remember, like, this was the first tour on which I actually saw Rush, and that meant a lot. And, uh, I just remember listening and listening and listening to this album, and I remember specific rooms and houses and places that I was when some of these songs were playing. I remember playing some of these songs with Mark Schneider, friend of the show. Mark, hi, if you're listening. Uh, Mark, uh, send me a message somewhere, and uh, I'll have you on the show. We should talk. Um, but I remember being in a hotel with Mark and playing some of these songs and learning some of these songs when they were new. And uh, for this and the Test for Echo album, both of them. And uh, I remember just being obsessed with this thing and, and listening to it over and over and listening to it and just memorizing it and knowing it in and out. And I still do. And it's still my favorite Rush album because it's it's sort of the one where I, I, I already liked Rush, but this is the one that was the new one that I fell in love with. So that's uh that's that's what Counterparts is to me. It's my favorite Rush album. And songs like Animate stick it out. Cut to the Chase is great. Nobody's Hero is phenomenal. It's just a wonderful, wonderful song. Uh, Between Sun and Moon, Alien Shore I like a lot, The Speed of Love, Double Agent, Leave That Thing Alone, maybe one of their best instrumental pieces, and I'm including YYZ in that, Cold Fire, one of my favorites on the album, and it ends with Everyday Glory. It's just a great listen if you uh, want to hear 
the sort of cool 90s rock vibe that Rush tapped into at the time, this is the one to listen to. It's it's my favorite Rush album. I don't think you can go wrong picking it up and giving it a spin. I'm uh, looking forward to putting a picture of this banged up case on the uh, on the the uh, podcast blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. I think I did that last week as well, but I'll I'll go into a little bit more detail on some of the blemishes of this thing because it's it has absolutely been through the ringer. Uh, although the CD itself doesn't look that bad if you look at the back of it, but uh, the case is is very very damaged. It has certainly had uh, seen better days. But uh, my favorite Rush album came out when I was 13. Rush counterparts. Another one that came out when I was 13 that I have some very specific memories about is uh, Nirvana's In Utero, which is their third album. Uh, A lot of us probably think second, but we forget about Bleach, which came out before Nevermind. But uh, I remember when In Utero was new. I remember when Nevermind was new, in fact, but In Utero came out in the time span that we're talking about now. And I, uh, I remember when this one came out and parents being concerned because there's a song on here called Rape Me, uh, good reason to be concerned, actually, parents. That's, uh, that's a fucked up thing to call a song, and it's fucked up content for a song. So, uh, good on you for being concerned about that. Didn't do me any harm, didn't do any of my friends any harm that I'm aware of, but, you know, it's, it's, it's an intense subject, and, uh, one that in 1993 was in a catchy song that maybe you were right to look in on that. But I I remember when this one came out, and I got the album, and I think it came out on a Friday. I think Friday was new release day back then. And I think I got it on that Friday, like everybody else in my junior high or high school or whatever age I was at that time. Uh, Whatever whatever classification of grade you are when you're 13. I remember this coming out, and I think I got it on new release day, and I took it home and listened to some of it, and then Nirvana was on SNL, I think, that same week, because I remember grabbing the lyric sheet from it and kind of reading along with the songs that they did, and they did Rape Me, which was interesting. At least that's my memory. I believe that they did. They may have just done part of it. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like they would have been able to get away without a network television, but anyway... Uh, I, I listened to this album a lot. My band played songs off of this album, Union Jack, Mark Schneider again. Hi, get in touch with me. Come on the show. Let's talk. Uh, we can do it by phone. We will, I, I would prefer to do it by phone in the days of, uh, COVID-19, but come on the show, man. We'll talk for about a half hour, an hour or whatever, just about whatever, and it'll be fun. Uh, let's, maybe we'll even call Mike during that and have a Union Jack reunion on, on the podcast. That'd be fun. Uh, but yeah, Union Jack, my band at the time, played a bunch of these songs, and I remember, like, that same time period, uh, the acoustic, the unplugged thing, which was, what, Live in New York, I guess, or whatever is the CD, but yeah, the unplugged show that they did on MTV was huge, and I remember us watching the unplugged show very, very close to look at what his hands were doing and trying to figure out the songs a little bit better. And uh, uh, this is one of those albums that meant a lot to me at the time that honestly hasn't meant that much to me in the time that has followed. Because uh, as happened to so many teenagers in the 1990s, I got super into Nirvana, and then shortly after that, 
I got super religious, and Nirvana became kind of a taboo thing to me. Uh, the copy of In Utero that I'm holding in my hand is actually not my copy from the 1990s, nor do I have my copy of Nevermind from the 1990s, and uh, that's not intentional. I hadn't listened to Nirvana for a very long time because of the religious thing that happened to me, uh, but uh, I, I didn't intentionally get rid of their music or anything. But what I did was I had my Nirvana CDs with me at high school, in my high school, in my locker, in the fine arts hall, by the theater. I remember the locker, even, uh, near the choir room. And I had my Nirvana, my couple Nirvana CDs in there, and that summer, we let out for summer vacation, and I realized about a week after that I had left the Nirvana CDs, along with the Judas Priest CD, in my high school locker, and it was just gone. Like, I was never going to see that again, because by then the lockers had all been cleaned out, and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, I lost my Nirvana that way, in the 90s. And it took me until I was somewhere in my early 30s before I replaced it, before I kind of thought, I'd like to hear some Nirvana. Again, it's been a while. I don't uh, feel religiously compelled not to listen to them anymore. It'd be nice to hear some of that. So I bought the uh, Nirvana stuff again, and uh, I've been listening to it on and off since that time, at least the stuff that means a lot to me. But uh, this, this is there's some weird memories connected to the In Utero record, in that it meant a lot to me when it came out. It's one of those that I rushed out to get on new release day. I was obsessed with the band, as everybody was. I dug into this album and into the the acoustic set and whatnot really, really deeply. My band was playing their stuff. When Kurt Cobain died, we threw a, a Nirvana tribute party where we played a bunch of their stuff. And, uh, it was, it, you know, Nirvana was a very important part of my teen years that I also abandoned because of Jesus, who frankly doesn't care what kind of music you listen to. That isn't in any way a qualification of getting into heaven. Uh, Jesus doesn't let people into heaven based on musical taste. He doesn't uh, keep people out for listening to Nirvana. He also doesn't let people in for listening to Rich Mullins, as it turns out. Uh, those are the two most current references I can give you. Toby Mac, maybe, is a more recent Christian reference. Uh, whoever is the popular Christian guy now, you don't get to heaven for listening to that, and you don't get kept out of heaven for listening to Nirvana uh, or Pearl Jam or whatever. Uh, that's that's a lesson that they should probably go a little bit further out of their way to teach you in youth groups, that stuff like that doesn't matter. It's your actual relationship with Jesus and stuff like that might change a little based on that relationship, but it's not important for you to not listen to Nirvana. Like, that doesn't change anything about your soul. Uh, but yeah, I stopped listening to Nirvana, partially because I lost the CDs, but also partially I didn't replace them because I thought, well, I don't know if Jesus wants me to listen to that. Jesus doesn't care if you listen to that. Listen to whatever you want to. Listen to Ghost. Listen to Gore. Listen to whatever you want to. It doesn't change what Jesus thinks of you. Anyway, off that soapbox, In Utero has a lot of weird memories for me as a result of that. It's another one of those I can remember where I was certain times. And, like, I remember listening to uh, Scentless Apprentice and Heart-Shaped Box and whatnot on a Walkman mowing my grandma's lawn at one point. Like, it's it's just one of those albums that I think back on. I think, yeah, I, I remember where I was for that. 
And uh, it was an important one. It's one that was formative to my musical upbringing, and it's why I'm mentioning it here. I wish I had my old copy. I wish I could go back to 1990-whatever, uh, four, I guess, at that point, and get into that locker and get those CDs back, because those are my original copies, and it bums me out that I don't have them, but it is what it is, and I've got a copy, and that's sort of all that matters, but I like having my original copies when I can. One original copy of something that I do have that's held up surprisingly well. Maybe I replaced the jewel case to this at some point because I thought it was in a lot rougher shape than it is. Uh, is the album by Live, Everybody Likes, Throwing Copper. You know, the one with I Alone and Lightning Crashes and All Over You and, and, and stuff like that on it. The one with the hits. It's uh, the live album that, if you're going to buy a live album, it's the one you buy. Throwing Copper, uh, that album, is one from the 1993-94 period when I was 13 that matters a lot. And uh, I liked live at the time. I became a much bigger live fan in my 20s, but uh, I certainly had this album for a very long time. I am certain that I bought it before my 20s. I can't say for sure that I bought it when it came out. I don't know that I have a first edition type copy here, but uh, I, I bought it as soon as I knew that I cared. And uh, uh, But Live is one of those bands that for a little while you could be into them and you could be a pretty big fan of them and not have their stuff because you were going to hear it. Like, it was just all over the place. You were going to hear live songs being played in your friend's band or on MTV or on the radio. You would just, like, you would turn on the radio and within 10 minutes you would be singing along to Lightning Crashes. It was just everywhere for a, a summer or two. It's one of those songs and it's one of those albums. Throwing Copper is an important one to me. It, uh, like I said, not as much right when it came out, but in subsequent years, it's resonated with me in a big, bad way, and uh, not a bad song on it, and in different parts of my life, different tracks off of this album have spoken to me in different ways. They did an anniversary re-release a year or two ago that I was very happy to get that finally had the song Hold Me Up on it, which was written in that session, but then never used, except... Uh, Kevin Smith, you know, the director, Kevin Smith, had a copy of it, and he would occasionally, like, copies of it would leak out, and you'd hear this live song that was a great song, but the copy was clearly from a tape player in Kevin Smith's pocket that had a little bit of a warble to it, and there was something not quite right about the audio, but you'd listen to it anyway. Uh, he eventually put the song in the movie Zack and Miri Make a Porno, which nobody saw except for me, and I liked it. Uh, and that song meant a lot to me, and it was from this same era and these same sessions, and on the re-released version, that song's in there, along with a couple other bonus tracks, but this album, Throwing Copper, is kind of the greatest hits of live. I mean, there are other songs that from other albums that are hugely important and that are great songs, but when you think of live, you think of this album. When you think of live, you think, Oh, now, took it back too far, only love can save us now. That's what you think of when you think of live, and that's this album. It's uh, one of those albums and one of those bands that's been very important to me as a songwriter and, and how I structure things. Uh, if you go back and listen close to each one of my solo albums, you will eventually be able to pick out which song on each album is the live song. Uh, because they they just became a huge influence on me, and 
I, I, I really believe that they were a pretty big influence on me as a teenager, and they certainly became a big influence on me in my 20s as well. But I think even from just the earliest days of being aware of them, their, their musical imprint was, was just in my brain. And uh, Throwing Copper, one of my favorite albums of the 90s. It's, it's definitely in top contention for, for you know, my top five of the 90s or whatever. That'd be a fun list. Maybe we should do that sometime instead of what I'm doing now. But uh, it, it'd definitely be in my top 10, if not my top five. It's one of my favorite albums of the 90s. It's meant a lot to me. It's uh, one where I don't have as many of those situations where I can remember where I was when uh, on any of the given songs. But I have feelings and people that come to mind listening to these songs, which is almost more impactful. Because I look at the In Utero album, and I remember the locker that I had in high school, and I look at the Rush album, and I remember the hotel where I was learning how to play those songs with the guitar player in my band, but I look at Throwing Copper, and I remember the first girl I ever seriously kissed, and that's a whole different set of feelings, you know? So Throwing Copper, another very important one to me. It's uh, That's why it's on this list. If you've ever glancingly liked Live, that's the one that you need to buy and listen to. The last one on the list is a little bit of a uh, left turn from some of the grungy stuff that we're, we talked about here in this segment, although it fits in with Rush pretty well. Uh, the album Talk by Yes. I have been a Yes fan for a very long time. Talk is not the album that I came in on. I actually came in on them on the Union Tour, uh, and just fell in love with what they were doing on that. I got taken to the show by my brother who liked Yes, and I was unfamiliar with them, but they that show converted me, and I became a big Yes fan, and got into their old stuff and started buying their new stuff at the time, and I've continued being a Yes fan even up to this day with all the weird, divergent iterations of the band that have happened in that time. They presently have no original founding members in the band, and I just don't know how you even do that. But never mind. I like Yes a lot. That's what the important part is. Talk was a very important record to me. Because again, this is one of those that I have that feeling of, I remember where I was when, and I remember sitting down and learning how to play some of these songs. I have a distinct memory of sitting in Dale's music in the second lesson room with Mike Franzel, my bass teacher, learning how to play The Calling, and kind of going through and, and noting out the, the tab for it, and just, just learning how to play that song, and that is actually still the song that when I have to tune and I don't have a tuner around, I think of that song, and I can hear the note G in my head, and I can find the note G and tune to the note G. I, in some ways, have a perfect pitch on just the note G because of learning that song. I can tune a guitar <laughs> to G because of this song, which is a dumb reason to be able to do that. It's a dumb thing to happen in a human body, but it's, it's, it, it, it is what it is. It, it is the case. The, the calling made me able to tune to G any given time. Uh, it's just one of those songs that, that burned into my memory. And uh, I can still play it on the bass guitar, too, even though it's been years since I've done it. I Right now, if I picked one up, I could play it, and it would be right. Uh, I, I loved that song, and I loved this album. Uh, and the track list, The Calling, I Am Waiting, Real Love, State of Play, Walls, Where Will You Be, and Endless Dream, which has kind of three sections to it. 
Uh, saw them on this tour, enjoyed seeing them on this tour, had a lot of fun seeing them on this tour, again with my brother Dave. I might still have the t-shirt from it somewhere. If I can find it, I'll put it on the blog, but don't hold me to that because it could be in a box. I'm not 100% sure where this one is, but uh, yeah, I, I, I saw this tour and I loved it. And uh, I actually have a sad memory connected with this album. It's... Uh, most of the memories that I have that I say I remember where I was when and I you know have such and such memory connected to this album, most of them are either good memories or they're significant memories that you know maybe aren't good or bad, but I remember being there. Uh, this one I've actually got a sad one on. I mentioned before my mother passed away in October of 1994. Uh, I was listening to this album on the night that she died. Uh, possibly down the hall from where I was listening to this album in her bedroom, maybe the last song that she ever heard playing was I Am Waiting, because I was trying to learn how to play that. And uh, she passed away that night, and I never learned how to play that song. Um, so I've got that memory connected with this album. A lot of the music from that period in my life made its imprint on me in that kind of specific way because of that kind of specific instance and uh this is an album that i'll be honest with you i sometimes still have trouble listening to as a result of that especially that song uh but when i do hear it i really love hearing it because it reminds me that in the midst of loss and tragedy and turmoil there can still be beautiful music and yes made some very beautiful music on the talk record and it's important to me on that level, but I think even if that weren't the situation, I would still really love this album because I was really digging into it before that. And uh, it's really got some sort of peak yes type work on it. Like it deserves to be up there with Heart of the Sunrise and with Roundabout, some of these songs. And uh, I, I like it a lot. It's a really cool prog album that has really proggy stuff on it, but also has stuff that absolutely belonged on radio at the time, and is a lot of fun, and is very sentimental, and uh, there's beautiful stuff, and there's rockin' stuff, and there's sort of everything in between, uh, and you've got those cool yes harmonies, and those cool yes guitar parts, that and keyboard parts and stuff that you, you kind of gravitate to the band for, and uh, one of my favorite yes albums that I don't listen to much, <laughs> for obvious reasons, but uh, it was an important one to me, and when I was making up this list, I saw that this came out in that time period and knew that it was one I was going to be talking about, and uh, now I've talked about it. That's the four albums from when I was 13 years old. Quick recap, Rush's Counterparts, my favorite Rush album, Nirvana's In Utero, Live's Throwing Copper, the only live album most of you will ever need, and Yes's Talk. Those are the four from when I was 13. They all meant something to me on different levels. I will put photos and stuff on the blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com that you can check out, and uh, maybe that'll be fun for you. Uh, check out those albums if you need something to listen to here this week. They're all worth your time in very, very different ways. And uh, they all mean a lot to me. If nothing else, you can kind of connect with me on some level by listening to one or two of those. And isn't that what music is for, connecting with one another? So uh, give that a shot. Connect with your old Uncle Derek by listening to some uh, uh, music this week. Didn't 
that I'd hold out this long Always said I plan to die by 25 But the longer I keep kicking The less I feel like screaming And it feels pretty good to be alive I got a little less anger A little less pain And a little less hair on my head Don't exactly Alright, I think that's about it for this week I meant for there to be multiple segments on this one, but the intro segment was really long, as was me talking about the four albums, so uh, we're gonna just not, we're gonna forego what I had written down on my outline as the second segment, uh, in which I was planning on talking about uh, the fact that I had watched the Netflix show Disenchantment, which is the show that Matt Groening is doing these days. It's a cartoon. Matt Groening, of course, previously brought you The Simpsons and Futurama. Uh, Disenchantment, I've been enjoying. Uh, not going to talk about that, though, this week. Maybe next week. Uh, but it was on the outline for this week. Just didn't happen. I was going to talk a little bit about Matthew Sweet as well, who I've just started getting into. I've been sleeping on Matthew Sweet for a long time, but I finally started getting into him just in this past week. Uh, but you're never going to know about that. That's that's not going to come up again. Actually, I'll probably come up again in excruciating detail. I'll probably talk about him quite a bit in an upcoming episode. Uh, I was also going to talk about the Kids in the Hall movie Brain Candy from the 90s, because I watched that over the weekend, but uh, ran out of time. Not going to talk about it. Not right now. Maybe later. Probably later. Not today. You're You're spared that today. Or you're denied that. I would like to think of it as more of a denial than a, a sparing. Uh, that's all stuff that I was going to talk about in another segment, which I called Random Recents. You're not getting a Random Recents, though. I guess you got the summary of the Random Recents. That's the stuff that would have been in the Random Recents, but we're not going to go into any detail. Sorry. Just what happens when people write into the show, I guess. I spend time talking about wrestling and stuff and not about other stuff that maybe you would have liked more than the wrestling. But it is it is what it is. Sorry. It, it, that's just where we are. I will say that uh, I bought some pottery last weekend. Not uh, not this, this weekend that we just came through, but the one before that. Uh, I had a little bit too much to drink on one night. I was drinking some vodka and uh, I had way too much to drink one night and charmingly went online and ordered pottery, which uh, that's maybe the most wholesome thing that you can do while drunk, and I did it. Uh, I wasn't like blackout drunk or anything, but I was the level where I woke up the next morning and went, I think I went online last night and ordered pottery. And confirmed that by looking at my email and finding the receipt. Uh, I ordered it from a company in uh, Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains called Alewine Pottery. I've talked about them on the show before. I really, really like them. I don't know that they would like that I'm talking about them, though, in the way that I'm talking about them because they are a Christian-owned business and they might not appreciate that I'm talking about having been drunk when being on their website. But uh, uh, they're, they're good people. They have great products, and I've liked them for years and years and years. I became familiar with them because my brother and sister-in-law discovered them when they were on their honeymoon uh, several years ago. And they just had beautiful products, and they had bought some of their stuff, and I really liked their stuff. And when they had gone there in 
subsequent years at, on vacation and they'd gone back to Alewine, I'd ask them to bring me back a mug, and they did that. And I've personally bought things through their website again in the in the past and it, have liked it a lot. And I, this past weekend, apparently in a haze, decided that it was time to get some more pottery from Alewine. Uh, I picked up a couple of soup mugs, which uh, or soup cups, I guess, that hold like sort of two cups worth of like soup. Uh, you know what soup is, but it, it's like a bowl, but it has a handle on the side. I'm assuming we all know what a soup mug is. I'll put pictures of it on emptychecking.blogspot.com. Uh, I bought a couple of those, and I really liked them, and I've already used them to eat soup out of, and I was really happy doing it. They were beautiful and wonderful and functional. And I also bought a couple of their uh, smaller mugs. They've got uh, mugs that are like a good 12 or 16 ounces or whatever. And uh, But I didn't buy those. I bought the 8 to 10 ounce mugs, the mini mugs, because I uh, thought there are things in my life that I don't need 12 ounces of and I only need about 8 of. And uh, let's buy mugs that are sized for that. So I bought those, and I really love everything that I ordered. Uh, Drunk Derek made decisions that Sober Derek approves of, uh, although I wish he would have consulted me on the amount of money that was coming out of the bank account. But it is what it is, and I like what I got, and they delivered quickly. I had them within a week from a essentially a family-run business. That's great delivery. And it's great quality stuff that was wrapped really, really well for shipping. And uh, they're just a wonderful company with wonderful products who have in no way endorsed this show. I just like ale wine quite a bit, and I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted an excuse to share my photos of my pottery online. I might even put up a picture or two of like all of the stuff that I've gotten from them over the years, which isn't a ton, but it's enough and it makes me happy. Uh, I might do that because I I just like their stuff a lot and I would like it if people went to visit their uh, website and bought stuff from them. They have really beautiful stuff. Uh, I went into a lot more detail on that. Then I meant to. I was going to do this outro as just kind of blowing off the fact that I haven't got a lot of time left. But uh, here we are. I'm talking about pottery. That's uh, ask questions if you want me to talk about stuff that you're interested in rather than talk about pottery. Because this is what happens when I don't have questions to answer. Actually, I guess this is what happens when I do have questions to answer. I answer the questions and then talk about whatever's on my mind anyway. So it, it really doesn't matter what you do. But I enjoyed answering the questions, so I, I would like it if you submitted more of them. Uh, but that's the show. That's uh, what the show was this week. I hope you had fun. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I hope you did too. And I hope all of you are out there being safe. You're being conscious of the fact that we are still in a pandemic where at this point in some areas they're even recommending that people wear two masks instead of one because things have gotten ugly. Uh, Please continue to be mindful of that. Please wear a mask whenever you can. Please social distance as much as possible. There's really no reason that you can't do that, and there's really no reason that we can't get this thing under control. If you just wear a mask and social distance, please do that to free up those of us who have been trapped in our houses since March. It's uh, it's important that we all stay the course on this thing to beat it, and please get vaccinated as soon as you can. Outside of that, please continue to remember that black lives matter, And please be good to each other, be good to yourselves, forgive each other, and forgive yourselves. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. 
I don't know if you realize it, but I just went a whole episode without talking about politics at all. 